despite narratives offered by the left, men have a unique identity and role. We believe this role can be discerned by logic and therefore cannot be refuted by peevish opinions or political agendas. Man is a word we use and a concept we employ that by its existence suggests it ought to have meaning and application. Logic is a process of discerning the meaning and usage of the terms we employ. We cannot communicate ideas without words, nor can we communicate using words or sounds that have no meaning. Words to be words must have meaning within our language. Words to have meaning must be communicable. That is, they need to have meaning for the sender of a message and for the recipient of the communication. When meaning is not contained in the signal, the signal contains only noise. If we cannot communicate, we cannot be human. It is not just our ability to communicate that is distorted by corruptions of meaning. Our ability to be civilized is damaged by the turning of language into noise. The definition of man is more than an exercise in misogyny. If the terms we use were gutted of meaning, how would we communicate? It is obvious that humanity is composed of asymmetrical sexual persons, labeled male and female. It is as obvious this asymmetry is necessitated by the nature of sexual reproduction. This is not an issue when talking about flowers and livestock. Atheists both mock the idea of a virgin birth and the logic of reproduction tied to sexual dimorphism. In their view of reality, sexual roles are superficial. Sexuality for human beings is a social construct, despite sexual division being the second most obvious thing about species after the existence of the species itself. Indeed, sexual dimorphism is so prevalent and pronounced, in some cases, the defining elements of a species, that is, those elements that are used to identify it taxonomically, must be modified somewhat to take into account the sexual characteristics of the male and female. For many years, the male anglerfish was thought to be a different species altogether because of its extreme morphology. But mandrill and other species are also known for the secondary characteristics that differ radically from male to female. This extreme sexual differentiation exists in humans where males have accentuated their physique and male dress and the female has likewise been endowed with the female characteristics and accentuated these with all the accoutrements of her sex. We are so used to seeing male deer with antlers and male songbirds with brilliant plumage. The difference between male and female is accepted as a matter of course, at least in other species. For some reason, the same level of secondary differences are resisted with an almost virulent hatred by liberals when speaking of humans, though oddly, liberals tend to consider humans nothing but another animal species. There is no arguing sexual dimorphism is linked to sex. Logically given sexual reproduction, there has to be two distinct sexual roles, and these must result in physical and physiological differences. Reproduction does not end with insemination. Something more men ought to learn. 
Live birth requires several physiological systems to be dedicated to the growth and birth and rearing of the child. If one sex inseminates and another becomes pregnant, a duplication of the organs of reproduction would be pointless and ineffective. What permits the nurture of a child is not the same things that permits for the protection of the child and mother. The logical fact is that once the female is inseminated, the male to a greater degree than the female is expendable. His life can be expended in protecting and providing for mother and child. Admittedly, their nurturing and protection roles could be reversed, at least in theory, but there is no logical reason for doing so. Large upper torsos are no advantage when carrying or birthing or caring for a child. The female is equipped to feed and nurture the child. The male is not needed for this, as the physique and emotional nature to focus on the protection and provision roles. This is not to say the female cannot protect the child or provide for its physical needs. The male can to some degree nurture the child and ought to participate in the rearing of the child. But in the most extreme case where protection is a matter of life and death and nurture requires being a source of sustenance for the child, the more the roles are divided, the more advantageous this is for the child. The child that has a male performing the protection role and the female performing the nurture role is a child that has the best chance of surviving. Statistics proves this. The argument will not convince everyone, nevertheless. Society is so organized that the protective and nurturing of a child is no longer tied to physical ability. With childlessness prevalent, arguments based on the caring of a child carry less weight. Nor is identity of humankind tied to biology. Even if in the extreme case and on average sexual dimorphism ought to be linked to the biology of sex, there are so many exceptions. There will continue to be those who think they are the exception to the rule and so divorce their personal identity from their sexual identity. When we look at the concept of sexual and gender identity, it is not difficult to see the simplest option is to link gender to sex. Those born XX are female, and those born with the XY chromosome are male. If you can inseminate a person who can get pregnant, you are male and the other a female. Regardless of what anyone says, every person alive was born of a male and a female. There is no other way to come into the world as a human than through a fertilized egg. This is logic. If one wishes to diverge from what is logical, one ought to be required to justify this with an argument that is more logical than the one it seeks to replace. Or, are we suggesting human society is not logical and our species not committed to rational dialogue? When it takes years of therapy and operations to achieve one's gender, it can be assumed the process by which the classification was achieved was highly artificial. Ought this to matter? If we can choose our hair color to suit our mood, why not choose gender to reflect what we think is a feeling representative of a particular kind of person? How does a woman know how a man feels, or what it feels like to be a man, and vice versa? This is a highly speculative and indeed suspect 
Regardless, we have to ask what a man is, what determines sex and gender. Is it sexual organs, chromosomes, or personal feelings, or even a preference, a predilection as it were, that gives one a tendency to prefer pink over blue, or vice versa? Let us assume a person wishes to wear business suits, have short hair, and be the main earner in the family, but happens to have a uterus. Obviously, it has never been illegal to wear suits or have short hair or earn more money than one's partner, but none of this makes one a man either. Many are even willing to entertain the idea that the ability to pregnant females is insufficient to prove one is a man. Perhaps this problem began with an insufficient understanding of what it means to be men and women, and even what it means to be human. Logic necessitates precise terminology. If our terms are defined in a fuzzy way, we get fuzzy logic, and as with evolution secular morality, chance events can cause future events to head off on any tangent without limit or restriction. Humans are not a body. Unlike animals and plants, we cannot define human beings by morphological accoutrements or physical behavior. Upright biped just does not encompass what it means to be human. Humans are the creature that lives by logic. Logic gives us purpose and consciousness. We are logically conscious in that we can only be fully aware to the degree we are logically coherent in our thinking. Illogic kills the consciousness that defines our humanity. Being irrational does not just make our actions incomprehensible. It removes consciousness from us. It removes the capacity to be human from us. Man is a uniquely logical creature, a specific and articulated way of thinking that bespeaks masculinity. To be a man means we subscribe to a specific logic. At creation, God gave man and women a distinct axiom that dictates how they think and respond. These are two unique yet uniquely compatible approaches to dealing with life issues. The more compatible the two thread, the more in love the pair. Man's purpose is to create property or things of value. Woman's logic is to create people of value. Women value people more than things, and men value things more than people. Man will defend his nation and his family as possessions. Women sanctify life and hold life sacred more than men do. To fulfill these roles require logical coherence on the part of the person and in a family on the part of the pair. Logic tells us that there are two different needs and roles. This goes for the family and society and any organization. It is illogical for two persons to duplicate each other's role. Specialization is the key to efficient usage of resources. Specialization is the key to creating a civilization. This ties in with the reproductive roles. Man, as a provider and defender, needs to have ultimate authority as the Bible provides. In Ephesians 5.23 For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. 1 Corinthians 
verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. The man is the creator of the things the family needs, and the protector and defender of the family. As the owner of these things, he is also the protector of these things. First Timothy 5 verse 8 But if any provide not for his own, and specially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. In this context, those of his own house would extend outwards to his extended family, his community, and ultimately his nation. These are things the man creates directly or indirectly, and which has the things he requires to fulfill his creative and protective functions. We can conclude by saying the inefficient youth that does not yet fulfill the conditions of manhood can be replaced by a woman. The ungodly woman may also be replaced by an ungodly male youth, but a female in the fullness of womanhood cannot be replaced by a male in the fullness of his masculinity, nor can a man exercising the full responsibilities and leadership of his kind be replaced by a woman in the fullness of her kind. The concept of the transgender or androgyny is a glorification of childhood or of arrested development. The person who is neither man nor woman desexualizes itself by retaining the attributes of a child, usually a prepubescent girl. This is the least viable path for a species to take. Regardless of the superficial physical changes occurring in arrested development, the core identity remains male or female. We can suppress the secondary sexual characteristics, but to what end? The sexual roles remain socially, biologically, and individually. We can avoid these roles to some degree by not having children, but this does not remove the reality the two sexes and the necessary role in biological reproduction. What is being stressed is that there were nature allowed to proceed to its fullest expression. We would end up with two sexes and two fully differentiated but compatible roles. Sexual roles can be modified and are, but they can only be disregarded at the expense of society. Sexual specialization is not just an option we can take or not. It has a social purpose. Rejecting the purpose of sex and sexual roles creates costs, that is, liabilities for the community. It takes 18 years or so for a child to turn into a young adult. The adult is expected to fill a social niche. We have an obligation to society and to the future of the species to be efficient parents and convert fertilized eggs into functional adults without creating costs or liabilities for society. Society is a common enterprise that must look at what resources go into its maintenance. Society and civilization is not free. There are costs to maintaining civilization. We ought to be considering what we can do to reduce social costs. This is above all the role of men. As males, we need to specialize in caring for the community and the resources under our care. 
we need to be able to act as an equal amongst equals. We have an obligation to the community to be men and to fulfill the role and functions of a man. Logical Minds Only has many other podcasts and we have a website logicalmindsonly.com Thank you for listening.